This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Bills Mafia. We know there's only one topic every day. All Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep. Talking Bills all year long. Because it's always game day in Buffalo. Well, here in our uh, makeshift studio that we uh, usually use after Bills games, Matt Bovey, the lights are already out. We know it was a long game then. Lights are out in the stadium. Was this the longest game ever? I know it wasn't, actually. It felt like the longest game ever. It felt like this game never ended. I know that, obviously, there was the very scary stuff at the end of the first half. That made it longer. Great news, by the way. Taylor Rapp recovering at home on Sunday evening, so that's a really good sign that he did not need further evaluation at the hospital or anything like that. So that's great news. But, yeah, this game dragged, and it felt like it took forever. And I know it was a little bit later. It was a 425 game, not a 405 game, but it felt like the other 4 o'clock games had ended like light years before this game had ended. I saw the final score of the 49ers game and the Seahawks game while like the fourth quarter was just starting here in Orchard Park. So it was a long one, but obviously if you were a Bills fan, you enjoyed probably most of it. Yeah, it was um, the Sunday night game was about to kick off. Three hours and 23 minutes officially on the clock, but also officially Bills win 32 to 6. Who, who had this, right? I mean, I, I said all week, look, hey, just get out the, get with the win. You're probably looking at 20 points scored. If you can get to 23-24, that'd be a nice game against this Jets defense. But here we are with Joe Brady in his first game as interim offensive coordinator. The numbers aren't gaudy, but the the score thirty two that's the most points the Jets have given up all year. That's a it's a nice productive day. It's a really good day for Joe, Joe Brady's first day as OC. Historically dominant defense, and the Bills were able to score more points on them than they have scored against any opponent since their Week Four win against the Miami Dolphins. It makes you wonder. I do not think that this is a large enough sample size to say that Joe Brady is absolutely the answer or Ken, Dor- Ken Dorsey was absolutely the problem, but it was a really good debut. What I said tonight on the news was you only get one chance at a first impression, and I think Joe Brady absolutely made the most of him. They did a lot of most of his. They did a lot of really impressive things this evening. Yeah. Did they do anything really different? I mean, there was some motion early on that we noticed. What do you think? What do you you think they did different? They utilized the middle of the field a lot more than I thought they had done with Ken Dorsey in weeks past. They also spread the ball around, and it is not a bad thing to have complementary football, but Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs finished this game with a combined 27 receiving yards. Gabe Davis, another game where he did not have a catch. I don't even know if he had a target. He didn't. So there was that option route again 
because I like snarkily said that's intentional grounding, but there was a hold which canceled it out. So he would have had the target without the hole, but you're right. That was the only time. Otherwise, no targets. And look, that is a good thing, bad thing. The good news is you did all this without Gabe Davis or Stefan Diggs. And I don't think Stefan Diggs had a very good game personally anyway. He had a couple balls he should have brought in. But that's so you look at the ledger and you're like, okay, Kikade for 46, Shakir for 115, Ty Johnson 47, James Cook 29, Quentin Morris 11. Like that's all great. The flip side is, okay, like you got to have your one and two, number one and number two receiver being more involved. But hey, you'll take it today. And this just allows other teams to say, hey, we got to concentrate a little bit more on the other guys too. They ran the ball well. I think when you run the ball well, it opens up a lot of different things for you. Obviously, they had some big chunk plays. This game looks different because of the massive Ty Johnson touchdown on fourth and one. Love the call to go for it. Really smart play. They attacked the Jets there, and it turned into a big one. And then the Khalil Shakir play, which is the longest offensive play of the entire NFL season. Not for the Bills. The entire NFL season. I think it's the longest catch for a touchdown. I think it's the longest offensive play. Was it? A catch? No, it was a, no, because it was 81 yards, and Brees Hall even had like an 83-yard run against the Bills earlier in the year. It wasn't a touchdown, though. Right, you said play. Oh, I meant touchdown. My bad, my bad, my bad. So, yeah, longest touchdown offensive play of the year. So that's a really cool thing and an absolute perfect ball from Josh. That was that was about Ooh, it. He threaded that needle. That's Josh being Josh. That was Josh being Josh. There was another one to Quentin Morris where he thread the needle. And when I was watching it live, I was like, ooh, that looked like it could have been intercepted. That's a bad decision. But I mean, it hit Quentin Morris. hand. It was a really tough catch. He was like sliding out of bounds, basically. It was a probably really, really tough catch to pull in. But another one where he thread the needle. I thought Josh looked really good today. I think if you just look at the box score, you see the one interception, you kind of roll your eyes because whatever that happened at the end of the day. But I thought it was a really smart, efficient game for the quarterback. And I thought that Joe Brady put him in a position to capitalize when they needed to, but also not make the big mistake. It felt like for a little bit of the game, they were playing not to make the mistake more than they were playing to attack the Jets' defense. But I think that's game plan specific because knowing who's on the other side and what offense you were going against, I feel like that needed to be the game plan in this game. This was not about, like, let's go score 30 points, even though they did. This was about, let's go score 20 points because we know the Jets aren't going to get to that. And then they got turnovers on defense. We'll get to that in a second. So overall, high marks for Joe Brady on the offensive side. Let's just take a look at a couple of guys individually. James Cook, efficient again, 73 yards on the ground, but also through the air. Three catches for 29 yards. He has another 100-yard-plus performance overall. And how about Ty Johnson? This is one of those deals where I think, watching the way it unfolded today, watching his game, I think, you know what? I bet you Joe Brady was sitting back. It's one of those deals where you say, you know, if I ever get that job, I really like that guy. I'll use him more. That was Ty Johnson today. It feels like to me he was waiting to use Ty Johnson. Maybe maybe Ken Dorsey didn't want to as much. Didn't feel like it. He obviously did. Joe Brady did, and it worked out well. It makes you wonder about Leonard Fournette, and I know that's like a weird thing to be bringing up in like our first segment after they had just won a game, but I thought Leonard Fournette would get activated this week, and that did not happen. I thought he would be elevated from the practice squad. Is there any reason, though, that they wouldn't elevate him and not have Latavius Murray active? I mean, Latavius Murray was not super efficient today. Latavius Murray had 10 carries for 35 yards, three and a half yards a carry. I would imagine that you can get that and then some from Leonard Fournette. I, I don't know. Uh, that's just me. It's something that you, something that we can definitely, you know, kind of try to piece together, but it's a good problem to have mm-hmm. more than anything. How about Dalton Kincaid? Six for 46. He looked really good again. The only issue I have is zero targets in the second half for Dalton Kincaid. All came in the first half. Which is interesting, but 
a little of that was game script too because they get the touchdown to Ty Johnson. And then after that, what was it? How many plays into the drive was the Khalil Shakir touchdown? Two. Two plays into the drive. So at that point, they really didn't throw the ball after that, like really at all. I think they had a couple attempts, and then it was just try and eat up as much clock and run the ball as much as possible. I felt like early in the game, Sherfield and Hardy were on the field a little bit more than what we normally see, but we'll wait for the snap counts to actually officially come out. A nice day for the Buffalo Bills offense. Let's take a look at the overall totals. I mean, this is against the New York Jets, remember, right? 393 yards of offense, 5.5 yards of play is not a lot, but it was efficient, and they got the yards they needed to get, and they scored points. That's the biggest thing for me, scoring the points. All year it's been, this is the reverse, all year it's been, man, they're moving the ball, moving the ball, moving the ball, but they can't score points. Today it was, they didn't really have tons of yards, under 400. Still a nice day, nice day. They scored 32 points. The second most they've had all year, maybe third most, I think it is. But then you have the most the Jets have given up all year, which says a lot. Yeah, this is a really good defense. I mean, historically, like a historically dominant defense. The stat from Field Yates before this game from ESPN was bananas to me. That they have not allowed a receiver to score a touchdown since Stefan Diggs did week one. So you go all the way from week one to week 11 where they do not allow a receiver to score a touchdown. And then in this game, Khalil Shakir's touchdown snaps that streak. I think it would have been, he didn't get there. I think Josh finished with like 275 yards. If he would have surpassed 300, I think it was the first time. And like, it would have been the first time in like a year and a half where they had 20 something games. Yep. Yeah. So they had somebody go for over 300 yards on them. This is a good defense, and I think that's a good sign for this moving forward. Not only was the Bills' offense effective, they moved the ball, they scored points, they did it against the best defense that they have played this season and the best defense that they will play. It is about to get very difficult because the Eagles have a good defense, the Chiefs have a good defense, and the Cowboys have a good defense. Good is probably putting it lightly. They have very good defenses. But you know now you can score points against the top-tier defenses, you just got to try and have games where you don't make big mistakes. I feel like most people will feel a lot better about their outlook for the entire season and for those really tough games coming up after this game because of how dominant it was and because of how much better they looked offensively. They looked very good offensively, but completely dominant on defense. Let's talk about that group. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's Sal Capaccio from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day. Your weekly source for all things Buffalo Bills. Right on time, your time. In the car, navigate the streets with NFL wisdom in your ear. We accompany every errand you need to run. Washing the windows or vacuuming the carpets? Don't just clean, conquer. Podcasts make you more productive because we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow It's Always Game Day in Buffalo in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. 
Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bovey, it's always game day in Buffalo. Bills win 32-6 to over the New York Jets. And Matt, really, that six only came from one drive, the last two minutes of the half, when the Bills gave up a fake punt, horrible fake punt to give up. It looked like they weren't ready for it. Jets have a few plays. They go down the field, they score. Other than that, complete domination from the Bills. 0 for 11 on third down for the New York Jets. They did not convert a third down all game. Yards per play overall, 2.9 yards per play. And how about this? Brees Hall on the ground, 2.3 yards a carry. And Garrett Wilson, two catches, nine yards. What a great job they did on those guys. Did I saw a stat on this, or I saw somebody post the video. I think Rich Samini asked Robert Sala after the game, did Zach Wilson complete a pass to a wide receiver? I'm going to look right now. Because, I, yeah, know I mean, Garrett, Garrett Wilson. Was that after Zach Wilson had gotten pulled? It, it had to be because he he fumbled. Like, he wasn't in when, and was he already out? I, I think he might. I'm going to look at that. And then I also think the Alan Lazard catch against the DPI on Russell Douglas, they accepted the penalty, so the catch did not count. So I, I think that even regardless, the fact that we're having this conversation, if he only had a hand, I mean, what did Garrett Wilson finish with? Garrett Wilson, two catches. Two catches. Maybe those both came from not Zach Wilson. I, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, this is a really, really inept offense. The defense needed to have a big day, but I think the positive sign here is that Micah Hyde has always said that like confidence is a hell of a drug and that turnovers come in bunches. You are now entering a part of the season where you could really use some turnover luck. So we'll see. I'm going to look right now. Garrett Wilson, now you've piqued my interest. In the meantime, Matt, how about the job of – how about what Russell Douglas did in this game? Russell Doug- he put he put up a stat line that could be AFC Defensive Player of the Week worthy. Oh, it, it is. Three takeaways, two interceptions, one fumble recovery, and by the way, three pass breakups. The deal with this guy, though, I'll say, Matt, he's always around the ball. Mm-hmm. Like, tight coverage. You know, you watch sometimes guys are just wide open. There's like never seems like a guy wide open on him. He's always right near trying to make a play. He has incredible instincts and has show up in a big way with his two interceptions and one of them covering Garrett Wilson and undercutting the route. I think what's also really cool about the Russell Douglas addition is that he's here next year. Russell Douglas is going to be a guy that plays on this team meaningful snaps for a long time, and he has really acclimated himself nicely into this. We are going through literally live on this podcast seeing who Zach Wilson completed passes to. So Sal is doing this right now, which is actually pretty cool to watch you do this right now. Yeah, I, I, This is how I find things I'm looking for in the in the game book, in the game log. I'm looking for, here we go, 14 matches for Garrett Wilson. There, So he's involved in 14 different times. Here we go. You ready? Mm-hmm. Zach Wilson incomplete to Garrett Wilson in the first quarter. Intercepted, intended for Garrett Wilson. Deep right to Garrett Wilson. Uh, here we go. Yes. No, incomplete on this one. Uh, where are we here? I'm coming through. This is really cool. Wilson incomplete. I'm sorry. This is not great podcasting or radio, but we got to find this out. Pass short. Here we go. Boyle to Wilson for a completion. And then Boyle to Wilson yes. for a completion. That's it. Zach, You're right. Zach Wilson did not complete a pass in this game to a wide receiver. Because Eccles isn't a wide receiver, right? I don't think so. No. So you're right. It had to be. Because the only people he completed passes to are right here on this list. Brees Hall, mm-hmm. Ruckert, mm-hmm. Ty Conklin, mm-hmm. Garrett Wilson, not him, Eccles, Gibson, Ibanaconda. That's it. Yep. Think about that. I mean, unbelievable game from the Bills cornerbacks. 
specifically Russell Douglas, obviously. He will win AFC Defensive Player of the Week. This was there's not better than two interceptions and one recovered fumble. I didn't even know he had the second interception. Why is Eccles being is a is it is he a, he says he's a cornerback for the Jets, but he actually had a catch here on this. So did they throw him a pass? I have to look at this and see why what's up with that. He's credited with a reception on this. All right, so I just I think this is a really good step for the defense. This was a game that they had to dominate, and they did. So you can say, yeah, but it's the Jets. But you still had to go out and perform, and I think that this was a good sign. And I think that it's about time that they did have the turnover. I think the turnovers were bound to bound to happen, and I really do believe there's something to be said about like kind of starting to get some turnover luck. I feel like they're going they're due to have some kind of positive regression yes. is not the right word, but you know what I mean? Like they balance. Yeah. I balance like, it out. I basically like it's going to balance itself out. I mean, this was the first interception they had since the dolphins game in week four. And it was the first takeaway they had. They had won against the Broncos, but they hadn't had one prior to that since the Patriots game. So, I mean, last week or earlier this week, the Monday night game, you only had one and then you had weeks without one. So the fact that you're starting to get them now, obviously, if you protect the ball better, that's the most important thing. But if you can give your offense some favorable field positions, then I think you really do have a chance. And I know that they gave up six points to this team, but I think the whole complimentary football thing, even though people roll their eyes at it, seeing that they could go score 32 points on the Jets makes me feel like there's a chance they could go put up high 20s, low 30s against the Eagles or against the Cowboys at home or even against the Chiefs. And if you do that, you're not asking your defense to hold those teams to six points, obviously, but you're asking them to hold your those teams to high 20s. And I don't know, I feel like they're more capable of winning a shootout now than I would have thought even an hour before this game had started. How about the run defense? Also really good today. Again, the job on Brees Hall. Brees Hall had a buck 20-something the first time they played. This game, he only had 23 yards, 2.3 yards of carry. This rush defense is playing a lot better, but really overall, the f- defensive line is playing better. Ed Oliver, another terrific game. And for Leonard Floyd, two and a half sacks in this one. He continues a monster season. He's so good. Leonard Floyd was awesome in this game. Ed Oliver was awesome in this game. Tyrell Dodson was good in this game. And Tyrell Dodson is somebody who has been criticized on this podcast, really at a lot of different places. So good for him for kind of bouncing back in the way that he did. The injuries is something we have not talked about in this game. Now, obviously, Taylor Rapp was like the really scary one because of the ambulance, but on the exact same play, Taron Johnson was injured with a head injury, a concussion. He did not come back into this game. He was ruled out. So that is concerning because they lost three members of their secondary in the first half of this game. So now you got to figure out, can Taron Johnson clear protocol? Can Dane Jackson clear protocol? Obviously, Taylor Rapp's situation looked a lot more significant, but... You might be going into this Eagles game with a banged up secondary, which is not what you want to be doing against an Eagles team. No, look, and, and you're right, 100%. I'm, I'm already concerned about it. I mean, I don't want to see, no offense to Cam Lewis, he's not Taron Johnson. I don't want to see Cam Lewis defending Devontae Smith the entire game. Yeah. That would be the most important one. If, even if, Rap and Dane Jackson can't come back, which would be significant losses, is the- because the other two aren't starters, yes. you would just then be depleted on your depth. But you, Terran's the big one, obviously. You'd love to get him back. But you're right. I think the linebackers have been playing outstanding. Matt, I just attribute it more towards 
time on task. They're getting better. And Sean McDermott and his defensive staff are putting him in position. They know what these guys' strengths are and what they can do. Um, I thought Jordan Poyer also had a really nice game today. He seemed to be around the ball. He was reading things well, doing a lot of different things. But the Bills' defense overall, very dominant in this one. Uh, the injuries are starting to pile up once again. Tyler Bass connecting on four field goals. Let's talk a little bit about special teams as well. All right, Tyler Bass, four field goals. Did miss the extra point, though, so he would have had 33 there, 32. Sam Martin, two poor punts to start the game, and then a really nice one later in the game. Reed Ferguson, even a little high on the snap on one of those. So once again, if there's something to clean up, might be a little bit of special teams. Although I will say, special teams, what a great – we didn't – Reggie Gilliam to start yeah, the game. No oh, my gosh, right? I mean, that's a great hit. But just a couple things here and there. Special teams, they still have to clean up. For sure. I should have talked about this in the last segment. Go ahead. Another no-show from Von Miller. Yes, on the stat sheet, that is right. Um, and it, it seems like – and I, I watch him. It seems like he's still getting off the – he's gotten off the ball okay. He's – a couple times they did double-team him, but, you know, yeah, it just seems like he's getting close but not getting it there. And I don't know what to think of it. It's just never going to happen this year or what? It makes you wonder, like, are they at the point where it's he's hurting them? It's a weird conversation to have to have about a guy who is legitimately a first-ballot Hall of Famer and who was so good for them last year. But – if you have him on the field, that means you do not have Greg Rousseau or A.J. Epinesa on the field most of the time. And those guys have played really good football. Like, A.J. Epinesa has made game-changing plays for them this year. So has Greg Rousseau. Now, Greg Rousseau is banged up. Leonard Floyd has been far and away their best, best pass rusher all season. I think, was he got like nine and a half sacks right now? It is unbelievable that that guy was available when they did sign him. But makes you wonder in these, like, crucial moments, will Von Miller be on the field? Because I don't know if he will. Like, I don't know... At that point, you're you're projecting. Like, there's no proof that he can do it right now. I think eventually he will be able to. But let's say you go to Philly next week and you have a lead and you need to get you need to stop the Eagles. Like it's the Broncos game or something. I think if you need a play, you're not putting Vaughn on the field. I don't know. I think they still do. And I hear you. You're right. It's projecting. Mm-hmm. It's thinking he's Von Miller. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. But I think that's he's Von Miller, and I think you do think that your best, I, I might even say Epinesa. I might even say that it's Leonard Floyd and Epinesa. Greg Rousseau, I think I would have definitely said, but the foot injury does seem to be lingering with him a little bit. That that doesn't mean he's not effective. He has played pretty well, but man, it just makes you think too. Like Ed Oliver has been so good this year. He has. Leonard Floyd has been so good this year. And Daquan Jones was playing at such an elite level. We did, I mean, there's a chance he plays again this year. Not a great chance, and it's not like it's going to happen right away, but there is a chance that he could play. So something to keep in mind for down the road, and also the Broncos moving the ball. They are. The Broncos, as we talk here, are down 17-12, but they have the ball at the Vikings' eight-yard line. So you'll know what happens by the time we finish this up. But it is important in the AFC. The Broncos can't catch the Bills. They could go to 5-5 five and five if they win. They, of course, beat the Bills last week. But let's look around the AFC. Browns beat the Steelers 13-10. to Texans beat the Cardinals 21-16. If the Texans had lost that game, the Cardinals had a chance late. Mm -hmm. The Bills would actually be in the seventh seed right now. But because of that, the Bills are actually in the eighth seed. Mm -hmm. One, a half game, a half game behind the Texans and the Steelers. This is, it's doable. I think the thing you keep coming back to, though, is, man, that schedule, as you brought up. It really is the schedule because I think, you know, you look at the teams in front and go, yeah, the Bills can catch the Steelers. Yeah, Houston, I know that they have C.J. Stroud. He's playing that, that, that at that level. Cleveland Browns without Desha- without Deshaun Watson, but it's the schedule that really gets you. Four and two. That's got to be the baseline. you you got to go four and two, and if you do that, you've got a really good chance of making the playoffs. If you go three and three, you would need 
some crazy help in front of you and you would need those teams to lose. And I think at this point, you're kind of just competing with, let's see, the Texans and the Steelers. I think the Browns are too far ahead at 7-3, and three, even though they're without their starting quarterback. Them getting a win today, if you look at the remainder of their schedule, I think they've got a pretty manageable set of opponents here. And I'm going to say something that might be blasphemous to people who are listening to this podcast. It might be beneficial for the Dolphins to just go on a heater. I disagree. I just think that if you have, if you, I'm not saying like you would obviously want them to lose every game if you're a Bills. But you only need them to lose one game, and the Bill the, more one game more than the Bills, and you're yeah. playing for the division at the end of the year. Yeah, but do you know who they have coming up? I do. They have three tough games at the end of the year. They do, but they also go Jets, Commanders, Titans, yeah. Jets as their next four. I Are get they it. Losing any of those? I don't know. Hey, like they beat the Raiders by seven today. I know. At home. And they had a chance. It's a weird league. I understand that. The Raiders had a chance at the end of that game. And honestly, Houston should have lost to Arizona. C.J. Stroud had three interceptions today. That is a mark of a good team, that you can have a quarterback who has three interceptions and you can still win a game. I feel like, legitimately, this is not a knock on Houston. I feel like Houston has very 2019 Bills vibes, where it's, okay, they're good, but maybe it's a year too early for them to be like really good. Now, obviously, that Bills team made the playoffs, and they went into the playoffs as a five seed, but Houston has the Jags next week. That is not a cakewalk. They have the Broncos the week after that, who has Bills, the Bills learned last week, also not a cakewalk. And then after that, like, it's pretty manageable. You got the Titans twice in a row. Like, All right, so here's my other counterargument against by the Dolphins. Even if you said, well, yeah, you maybe should root the Dolphins and just run and hide. Why? There's nobody on their schedule left that really would benefit them mm-hmm. beating. You, you don't want oh, – they, oh, you know what? Maybe you should want them to beat the Jets. Who cares? The Jets aren't going to do anything. Yeah. They're playing the Commanders. They're playing the Titans. What I'm saying- I, I, I know, so what would be the benefit anyway of Miami winning? And if you, if you said, let's just take let Miami win, what's the benefit? A win at the end of the season. In week seven, oh, for them to not have it matter to them. That's what I'm saying. Okay, if they have the division clinched now. The Bills were in a similar situation, coincidentally, against the Dolphins several years ago, and Josh played the first half. But knowing Tua's injury history, if they have clinched a playoff spot, week seventeen, you were probably getting Skylar Thompson, and you were probably getting a ton of those guys defensively who were sitting. And that means, like, if it's a win and in situation for the Bills, I understand now. I think you would feel pretty good about beating the Dolphins' backups. You, you still have a chance at the division. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, four and two right. feels like the best case scenario for the Bills. And if one of those four games can come, think about four and two as you have to win one of your really hard games, and then you have to beat the Chargers. You have to beat the Patriots. You have to beat a Dolphins backup. And then one other game. Okay. I I totally understand. I'm, I mean, yeah. No, you, you make really good points. I do want to ask, though, who do the Miami Dolphins face at quarterback when they play the New York Jets on Black Friday? Is it Zach Wilson, or do they go with Tim Boyle after what we saw it here? It's Zach Wilson. I think, it's I think they go back to him because Boyle didn't show that he could really move the ball anyway, right? No, he stunk. I mean, they both stunk. You could see, though. Couldn't you see the Dolphins struggling against that Jets defense? I know the Bills just put 32. That's a really good defense. No. I don't. They struggled against the Raiders today. Sure, but I, I don't know. I just I think the Jets are really bad. I don't think their defense is. No, their defense isn't bad at all. Tim Boyle was 7-14 for 33 yards. The offensive line is horrible, though. Yeah, and then they lost Becton in this game, too. So 
one more win. It's a revisionist thing. You can't do that. But if the Bills were seven and four instead of six and five, you would feel so much differently about the outlook on this entire season. You would say, okay, they're about to enter their toughest stretch. You got to win three games. It's like if you win four, you should be. You're almost guaranteed in. But now it's like, okay, for the Bills, ten and seven needs to be the baseline. And even at ten and seven, you're only talking about like a sixty-five percent chance. I'm just saying, if the Dolphins lock things up. Three of those wins could be against the Chargers, who you should beat, the Patriots, who you should beat, and the Dolphins' backups, who you should beat. Do I think that they will beat the Eagles? Probably not, but they could. Do I think that they could beat the Chiefs? Probably not, but they could. Do I think that they'll beat the Cowboys? Probably not, but they could. And when I say that, I mean, if you win one of those games and you win the other ones, then you should be in. Now, the Mm -hmm. AFC ones are the most important ones. It's fat. So... If you're listening to this podcast on Monday, the Chiefs and the Eagles play each other. Which, by the way, is a nice schedule catch for the Bills. Yeah. That the Eagles are on the road in Kansas City on a Monday night. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not, they're going to have a very, very short week considering traveling back late Monday night. You know, I mean, that's a that's a, a little bit of a win for the Bills there. Do you know the line? I do it. not. I haven't seen it. I will guess. Philadelphia favored by two, two and a half. You're talking about for the Bills game or for the Chiefs game? I'm talking about Bills Philly next week. Okay. You're close. I'm saying Eagles favored by two and a half. They're favored by three and a half. Okay. Which is way lower than I thought. Like, I would have thought six and a half, probably. The Bills metrics are still good. Like, I even know. on offense, they just, but they just haven't been scoring until today. Vegas is begging people to bet Philly. With that line, you were begging the public to bet Philly, and that's really interesting to me. Really interesting to me. By the way, I just want to go back to the Dolphins. They've cracked 20 points once in the last four games. I'm just saying, that Dolphins offense has been kind of caught up to a little bit mm-hmm. over the last little while here. So yeah. I, I just don't think that they're this juggernaut that they were earlier in the year, and I still think this division's in play. But, of course, the schedule points you bring up are all very right about the Bills, and we'll see. But you know what, Matt? How about we enjoy this one? Bills fans should enjoy this one. It's a nice win. You get back on track. And now you have a whole week, a whole week of Joe Brady – doing what he needs to do to get this offense ready instead of all the turmoil he had last week and coming in on a Tuesday morning. I think it was a week or two too late. I think that everything looks good offensively. This was a really, really good sign, but it makes you wonder if they would have made this move a week earlier and they would have beat the Broncos. I mean, who knows? Like, right? I I don't know if that would have happened. I don't know if he would even be the offensive coordinator if they beat the Broncos. They might have just kept Ken Dorsey. I, I don't know. But... It is interesting to wonder, like, what could this offense have been if they made this move a few weeks ago? And that's not to say that it's all on Ken Dorsey. It's not. But it's hard to watch them go score 32 points against the best defense in the NFL and say, oh, maybe they're better than we thought. Or maybe they're as good as we thought they could be. So, I I don't know. I just think that there's so many different ways that you can take the conversation. I watched this entire game because I actually watched a lot of college football this weekend and the wide receiver class is loaded. And I sat there and I was just like, this team needs another guy. This team like legit. Oh, hundred percent. Is Khalil Shakir now their number two wide receiver? Cause he might be. I mean, he might be. Dalton Kincaid is the number two pass catcher, yes. but receive might be the number two receiver. And James Cook might be the number three pass catcher <laughs> after that. All right. Well, um, we're going to head out. Thank you for listening, downloading, subscribing, iTunes, Spotify, Odyssey app. And, of course, the South Sports YouTube page. Before I do, I found out something after the game. Matt is going to do something I've never done, and it's his first time doing. He's going to cook a turkey on Thanksgiving. Yeah. I, I've never personally done Now, be honest. Are you personally cooking it? Yeah. 
or is your wife cooking it no. or together? No, I'm cooking it. My wife, wow. Yeah, my wife is not a vegetarian, but she only really eats chicken. Like, she won't eat turkey. So she has no interest in cooking a turkey whatsoever. So we are hosting this year. Bad year. We want to host. Kind of, you know, do all that stuff. So try and do something different. So I've been watching YouTube videos on how to cook a turkey. I love it. Um, which is probably weird for the people who are coming over to our house. They're like, you're going to cook us something that you've never cooked before, which is true. Um, I will say everybody else is bringing all the sides. And I think the sides are more important anyway than the actual turkey. And I think my mom is making a backup turkey breast. It's ah, like a- yes, I love it. I love We've it. Got like 20 people coming over. All right. Well, like you're gonna, oh man, I think I love it. You're going to crush it. Good job, buddy. Good job. That's what you're going to do. All right. For Matt, I'm so, also uh, all your coverage at Channel 7, right? In this one? Yeah, for sure. All of our coverage at Channel 7, coincidentally, you don't have the video up right now, but we've actually got um, opposing merch on right now. You I know. know and I felt, I felt bad wearing it because I go on Channel 4 yeah, for a pregame and stuff. Yeah. Hey, I got to ask you real quick. Speaking of that, did you see the fight in the tunnel after the game? I did not see it. There was a fight in the tunnel after the game. Shaq was involved. I'm sorry, not Shaq. Um, Deion Dawkins was involved. But I got Deion Dawkins at his locker like a lot of people did. And he said, basically, I don't like the Jets. And they're very disrespectful players. And it was crazy. Yeah, Deion Dawkins. I'm trying to find the quote from Deion Dawkins. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was pretty serious stuff. Things got definitely heated. I'm a humble guy. I'm not a fan of the Jets. Very disrespectful players. There was more than that to it. Uh, that was the quick version. Oh, someone's got a video here. All right, we're watching it right now live. Couple guys going after each other. Deion Dawkins yelling. Uh, there's somebody else yelling at each other. Deion's going to turn around here. We're doing a little play-by-play of this video. I don't even want to. Um, I don't want to uh, put the videos. There might be some swearing going on. All right, and then here you go. And then yeah, they went at it. They really went at it in the tunnel. Crazy. Clemens of the Jets. Deion Dawkins. More guys coming in. So all right, well check it out. We're going to talk more about it. It's oh, the first yeah, time so, I've seen it. So it looks like Dawkins and Clemens are screaming at each other. And Jordan Phillips is doing some sort of combination of diffusing and also egging them all on, which makes sense. Dion's a pretty chill dude. So for Dion to be like this is pretty, I don't want to say out of character because like he's <laughs> right. a competitor and he's a football player and he's a really good one. But yeah, that, that was surprising. I saw the video of it. You know, what's funny is I did not know Russell Douglas had a second interception. Because the way it works for us is, you know, we're up in the press box, but for the end of the game, we have to go down on the field, especially if it's not like this game was decided. I did not need to sit and watch the final two minutes of the game. So I did not know that he had another interception. I just thought he had an interception and a fumble recovery. And then I asked Micah and Jordan a question about, you know, all the turnovers they forced. And they were like, did Russell finish with two? And I was like, I thought he had one. And somebody else was like, oh, no, he had two. I was like, when did I miss that? But apparently he had an interception he did. right they, at the end of the game. Near the end of the game. And he ran into somebody's another friendly fire incident. And we thought he was down mm-hmm. for a minute. He got up. And the official initially said incomplete, but it was clearly a catch. And then they just gave it to him because it was mm-hmm. clearly a catch, an interception. But he did. He had two interceptions and the fumble recovery. All right. Matt Bove, WKBW TV Channel 7, Sal Capaccio, WGR Sports Radio 550. I'll be on on Monday morning, of course, throughout the day on a Buffalo Football Monday on WGR. Thanks for listening, Matt. Uh, we'll talk before for Thanksgiving, but uh, in the meantime, have a great Thanksgiving. Hope everybody else has a great Thanksgiving. We will talk to you before then. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thank you for listening. We are thankful for everybody who watches, listens, all that kind of stuff. So hope you have a great holiday with you and your family, and we will talk to you guys soon.